Yeah, you know? and, and, you know, but we also have a memory. I mean, I look at colour psychology. If, you, if we surround ourselves with red, it will make us hungry, angry, irritable, attract flies and want sex, right? You know, so, so that's what it will make us feel because design is emotional. Yep. But somebody might have an aversion to red because of a childhood memory. So they may they may have been dropped off at school in dad's red car and humiliated for life. So red is yep. a memory that equates to them to a very embarrassing situation. So it's 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 pulling all of that and extrapolating all that data and history and memory and human behavior <coughs> analytics from a person in order to create create a great space. Welcome to Talk Design Show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Deb Dijon. Now, Deb and I go a little ways back, um, but we'll talk about that as we get through the podcast. One of the things is, is Deb's got this massive, amazing amount of talent. Like she's been um, through so many different facets of what have happened with her in her life, in business and in helping people, really. She's an amazing person for networking people and also for just looking for what is in it for them. So always looking outward. So Deb's background is she's an ex-host, TV host, um, shows in Australia like Changing Rooms, Reno um, Rescue and uh, Reno, Renovation Rumble, Renovation Rescue, so I should say. Um, she was also the co-founder of a big chain of stores here for furniture, which is fantastic furniture. And now she spends her time in the training and development for architects and designers. So, Deb, welcome to Talk Design. An absolute pleasure to see you again, Adrian Ramsey. Good to be with you. Likewise, hun. Well, it was only last week that we were hanging out, so um, I it's know. great. To- <laughs> it's great to be back. Reconnect. It's great to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Deb, tell us a little bit about that background. Like, um, where, where are you originally from? And then jump us forward to something with how the hell you knew you were going to be in this design world. Look, I started out my career as a 20-year-old thinking that all I wanted to do was travel around the planet. And so I started out as a Qantas hostie. Awesome. Nobody nobody did chicken or beef better than me. And it was the most amazing lifestyle because you're travelling first class, you are meeting 400 and, you know, I think there's 401 seats on a 747 and so you're meeting 401 people every time you go to work. So this incredible opportunity to meet um, people from a diverse background, from ethnicity for the reasons of travel and conversations and it's like this buzz in the sky. So travelling all over the world, Singapore, Bahrain, London, Rome, Athens, Tahiti, you know, you name it. Every time you go to work, it was another adventure and you'd know all about taking little adventures because I know that's something you love to do go on little short trips and jaunts you're not wrong (laughs) every time I I got on an aircraft it was like right what else am I going to see so traveled around the world for you know a good 10 years um, in that capacity and loved doing what I was doing and I think the diversity of travel and seeing so many cultures and um architecture and design and furniture and furnishings and different little lifestyles 
I went, look, there's so much overseas that we just don't have in the Australian market. So, um, you know, at, at that point in time within the Australian market, we only had our standard larger stores. And I thought, you know, there's so much from a price point that we are missing out on people. We, we, you know, we all love living in a great environment and people are missing yeah. out living in a great space because of affordability. So why can't we bring in a budget end range of furniture that everybody's got access to? Uh, so so we we brought in fantastic furniture it started with five thousand dollars in a dream and um, evolved to the largest manufacturing plant in australia of furniture and i think we had 20 company-owned stores at the time and it was just you know so you manufactured here yeah we manufactured here yeah wow so how did you get your pricing down um was it through going direct or what was it Oh, look, you know, it was buying buying the rag at the right price. We had a, a really, my, my ex-husband was Dutch, and if you're not Dutch, you're not much, right? They're all into precision. <laughs> Let's not talk about Dutch with Kelly Vandermeer being a mutual friend, right? They're, they're very sharp with precision and uh, and getting the structure and getting the systems automated. So we had a couple of Dutchmen involved. Willem Vanderbilt was the other party, and Willem was great with systems and procedures. And I think from a manufacturing perspective, we just got the, we got the conveyor belts and everything moving at a fast pace. So we literally had a, a lounge suite falling off the conveyor belt every yep. one minute. Wow. So it was, you know, all automated and a lot of pneumatics. Yeah, and, so it was with that, your goal was is to be able to supply you know, quality design at affordable price and Correct. really broke the ground there for Australia to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, we have to, we, we all want to live in a great space. I mean, human, human behavioural analytics is something I'll talk to you about shortly, but I think our, what we surround ourselves with is so important um aesthetically we need to be environments that are conducive to stimulation or engagement or relaxation or whatever it is that we actually need and not everybody's got access to that financially so how do we create great environments marriages don't necessarily all stay together students Mm -hmm. need to move out of mum and dad's homes and into small you know granny flats and what are they living on and sitting on I mean I don't know how many homes I've gone in as as possibly you have as an interior designer and this is either from entry level to you know multi-millionaires and you think how can you live in this way you know don't it can be done so much better than this so people you know people are living on you know pallet furniture and boxes and whatever but really I mean for me and I don't know about you you're a visual person as well you actually need to create an environment that is conducive to making you feel good about yourself oh a hundred percent and I mean you know Kelly and I just did that talk on the aesthetics of joy and that that was there's there's two parts to it you know you have the part where it's your mindset of um how you view the world and then there's the other part of it which is is putting the things around that trigger you to joy as opposed to the things around so you, you you're seeing the upsides not the downsides of what's available that's Absolutely. so important and and comfort is another thing that's most people don't experience comfort until they've experienced discomfort and mm. they really get to to recognize the different levels you know i know the number of times we put people into an environment and they can't believe how well they fit with it which is part of the the whole job um but they can't believe how well they fit with that environment yeah and 
all of a sudden when they do, there's a level of relaxation that they gain. It's not, they don't go back to it. They gain it. They gain an ability to settle um, mm. that they wouldn't have had before. And I think that's probably one of the most amazing things with design, you know, when, when it's intuitive. Apple have been a great example of that as a company. Mm. They make intuitive design, you know, where other companies have been clunky with, how their software works or how the interfaces work and all the rest. Apple's gone, you know what, we really think about how the intuitive manner would be so that you don't need a manual to drive the thing. No. And so what you would think next. So what is it that makes you determine what creates an environment for someone? As obviously as a designer, what's you're you're saying you make your clients feel comfortable. Yeah. And how how do you navigate finding what makes them tick? Um it's it's a funny journey, actually. It's through a lot of questions that have got nothing to do with design. Mm. So it's actually a delve into who they are as a human. So, um, and what awesome. their habits are, how they behave in those habits, what side of the bed they sleep on, when they get out of the bed, when they go to the bed, when they do their laundry, when they, what's their morning routine, what's their afternoon or evening routine, do they go to work or don't they go to work? Um, you know, something that we do in designing a home is, is we will always position the office as probably it's in the top three premium spaces Great. that sit in a house. Because if that's where somebody generates their income from or generates yeah. not even their income, their day, you know, so a lot of a lot of mums who and that's being really sexist saying this, but the majority still is weighted this way. A lot of mums who are. Uh, they, they are at home, they're at home mums. They might have three kids. They might have them ranging over a 10 year age gap. They've got super busy mornings. They're getting kids out and often a husband out of the door as well. Yep. Um, so those people are getting out of the house. They're then actually putting the house back into some sort of order. They're then actually trying to pay the bills, do the things that need to be done organize the school things, organize all the holidays, the other things that need to happen in a family. Yeah. Um, and then they're putting all that together as well as like running a family's like a small business. Say you're, Absolutely. You know, say your budget for your family's you know, $10,000 a month, you're running $120,000 enterprise a year. That's right. And, and that's sort of like, you know, the tip of the iceberg with Absolutely. no training and with no support. Um, Absolutely. No staff. Um, so, yeah, mums are busy people. So little things like, okay, position the, the office, the home office in a place where it's well centralised to the things that you're going to have to do during the day, but also takes in the view or takes in something special, some piece of the garden or something, just about always connected with outside. Yes, I feel Try never to, yep, try mm. never to internalise it. Mm. And then... Make sure it's well laid out, well thought out, as is a kitchen, as is a, a laundry, as is a bathroom, as is a, any of these parts of the home. Um, also create spaces of nurture over spaces of function. I love to talk about a, a master, well, I don't even like to say the word master, I'd rather call it a main bedroom because master sort of harks back to, yes, master. And unless that's a game you play, I'd rather <laughs> leave it as a game. Um, <laughs> Too early in the morning for that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you look at a an ensuite and you go, so this needs to be 
I think predominantly a space that um, nurtures a woman yeah. more so than a man. It, it, yes, it needs to be have that function as well. But let's go down the look after the woman first. I love if, your thinking, Adrian. No, seriously, like if you do, you'll get a better life. Um, and women will sacrifice themselves as well very quickly, but at their detriment. Men don't tend to, they're more selfish beasts. They don't tend to over-sacrifice themselves um, where it really matters. And I look at that and I go, you know, the classic example would be, you know, mum serves up dinner and she's got the crappiest plate in the, in, in the lot and she's we got do, the, do the least amount on hers or the least, the, the, not the best piece. Very I true. remember saying to my wife, I said, um, I said, so you'll notice something about me. I always have the best piece of whatever the food is if I'm serving. And she's like, really? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you give it to somebody else? And yeah, I go, well, I'm equally as important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you must have the patience of a saint with you, honestly. <laughs> I expect, I said to her, I expect you to have the best piece if you're serving. Right. It doesn't work like that. I don't know well, why we're going to talk about it. Doesn't, but like, why wouldn't it? But you know, uh, funny. No, a woman, a woman gives in a different way, and I think yeah. that's possibly the the spirit of the nurturer. Um, I think so as well. You know, it's sort of in, but it's, it's it's a really funny thing, and I know this is not, nothing about design, but a, a friend of mine had a heart replacement, um, a Melbourne friend, and he believes he had he was replaced with the, the heart of a woman, because since the heart transplant. He's become an entirely different person. So there's a there's um and more of an empathic system or way of thinking. He's far more transparent and tolerant. Is far more emotive and caring. And we were talking about this in the aesthetics of joy event. Yeah, you were talking about your soft and your hard spaces and being in the yeah. feminine and being in the masculine. And he said, Deb, I'm an entirely different person now that I've had this change of heart as it were and I think we have to as designers also look at the difference between living spaces for men and women and I, I don't know whether you find this the case Adrian you're designing for too often different two totally different people in one space and how do you navigate you know the contrast of creating for a male or living in the masculine and feminine and something that I do is um, I work with human behavioral analytics and what we do is we profile people in order to understand their temperament and design based on their temperament. So dig into this for me because I think this is the most fascinating thing because our ability to read somebody's empathy or to, to see under their skin as such is so critical and we do it by our own hokey methods but tell me about actually a programmed method of doing this. Yep. Okay, so, I mean, we've all had the Maya Briggs. I work with a company called DNA Behaviour. And fundamentally, we extrapolate the data uh, from you in a, you know, obviously, the same, the same, you're ticking of boxes, right? So, we, you know, you, you know the answers every day to some of these questions. I'm going to ask them to you first, right? They are, let me answer these questions. Yeah, chicken, go for or, it. Ch chicken or beef? Beef. Uh, red or white wine? Red. Summer or winter? Ooh. Location dependent, but we'll pick summer. Okay. Uh, thongs and sarong or suit and tie? Uh, thongs and sarong. Okay. Classical or jazz? Jazz. 
Right. So these are sort of everyday questions you don't have to think about. They just no. sort of pop into your mind. It's it's what you do. And I think it's extrapolating the data from people with questions. And when we analyse who they are, they come out as four fundamental temperaments, which are okay. lifestyle, goal setter, information and stability. And they like to live in entirely different environments. So the lifestyle, life, goals, goal setter. Goal setter, information and stability. Lifestyle is all about colour, movement, texture. They need stimulation. They need, we talk about colour psychology, they need to be around high chroma colours. They need to be around vibrancy and stimulation in order to feel like the world is animated and gregarious. And, you know, if you walked into a party or a, um, a networking event, they're the ones that are using their hands. They're flamboyant and they're gregarious. And they, they're, you're an outgoing extrovert, I'm imagining. Is that yes. correct? Right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you're the life of the party and the boy. One, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Adrian was in Sydney recently. When Adrian gets back on a plane, the world of, in Sydney sighs a sigh of relief <laughs> that all of that energy has gone back on a plane. Um, and, and dealing with Callie, Callie Vandermeer is a, an, an introvert by, by yeah. him, he'll, he'll suggest this himself. And uh, the difference between an extrovert and introvert is an extrovert will gain their stimulation by external people mm -hmm. and stimulation. An introvert will gain their energy by being alone and, and meditating. Hey, well, so, how's, how's this for a great example of that? Yeah. Kelly says to me, you, you go, can you go second? I'll go first when we were presenting. And I said, yeah, for sure, man, whatever suits. I'm happy to go either end. Yeah. So there's the first thing. And um, he's like, yeah, I just want to get mine done and, and through it and over and done with it. I said, that's, that's awesome. I said, um, I think I'll sit up on the stage with you, though, rather than beside it. And he's like, oh, okay. And I said, as long as you're happy with that. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. And um, he said, he said, so what will you do? And I said, oh, I'll just listen and um, I'll interject if I think I can. No, I said, I won't do that. <laughs> I will listen and I'll probably take some notes. And he's like, oh, okay. And I said, oh, there'll be a lot to learn. And not only that, um, there will be things that I'll be able to refer to when I'm talking that you will have taught me that I will, I will, there'll be a thread that runs to what I'm saying. And um, he said to me before, he said, really? Like, you're not just going to say what you're going to say. So I've got no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> I've got a framework yeah, and it. everything from there is going to yeah. lead to what it can be. Now, yeah, for him, absolutely. total discomfort. Absolutely. For me, I'm living how I live. Yeah. Yeah. And putting myself in his space, I could put myself in empathy with his, um, how he felt. Yeah, absolutely. And so I decided that, because he knows I've got lots of energy, I decided the closer I am to him, and he was happy with this, I'm giving him energy. I'm allowing yeah. him to take my energy. I'm, I'm saying to myself, give him all the energy he needs. Because I've yeah, got lovely. Tons. Yeah, um, you do. Just, energy to burn. Just, yeah, exactly. So let that, let him have it. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold it back. But, and people said to me, what were you writing? What were you writing? I said, I was learning from the guy. That's oh, what absolutely. I was writing. The a guy's a genius. Yeah. Well, okay, so so let me just go there. So uh, I would say that you were a lifestyle goal setter as a temperament. Yes. By comparison, I think that Kelly's information. So yes. for an information temperament, it's all about the data and the detail. I mean, you've seen some of the work that he's done. <sighs> 
in restaurants. I mean, it's all about the devil's in the detail, right? And um, it's all thought about intrinsically and it manifests in the details. So, you know, the the knots that he placed in um, six heads, heads, you know, which represented the 52 cattle of uh, head of cattle that were there. And it's all about the detail with Kelly. So information temperament people need to have a lot of storage in their house. Everything needs to be compartmentalised. So... (laughs) He cannot live in a home that is messy, like an information temperament. If you come to your desk and there's things out of order, they cannot extrapolate data from their own head because they've got to tidy up the space before they do their designing. So it's all in the details. They, they will t- take 10 times as long to do the, the, design, the designing and extra- extrapolate the data from either their client and or from their memory banks. Yep. But they have to have a place for everything and everything in its place. There's got to be order. It's got to be well thought through. You cannot have a bathroom. For for example, if you've got a husband and wife and there's a lifestyle temperament yep. and, there's a, and there's an information temperament, the lifestyle Which temperament... Which often there would be, true? Oh, and, and because the, and the, opposites attract. Like really? there's enough totally. commonality, but then there's the, the different energies. Totally. So, yeah, gotcha. you know, like the lifestyle temperament, it's all about... Let's put as many toiletries in the bathroom as we can fit because we want to look and we want to feel fabulous and we need seven hair dryers, GHDs and curling wands and whatever. And oh, the no, guys, the new Dyson one. Yeah, the or new the new Dyson, Dyson one. Yeah. Or, oh my God. Or, or, or if it's a guy, you know, how many aftershaves can you fit in one cupboard? Yeah. I want to smell fabulous for the world. The information temperament is, look, it's Hugo Boss and that's it. What Get rid of everything else. They're all nearly empty. And so, you know, you've got to create spaces that fit both of those people and that's that's a challenge when you're integrating two temperaments in a house as to creating spaces that are going to make both feel comfortable so Uh, go with this go with this a second yeah so take take for instance i definitely would be lifestyle and oh yeah and a a big piece of goal setting i love stability because i'm so um head in the clouds so things i have masses of habits Right. Where where things always go back where they belong. Things Ooh, sit in a certain place. Because yeah. I hate to spend my time hunting for things or feeling frustrated. Where right. a lot of my people I know that are like me, like yeah. high energy and stuff, they yeah. can never find their damn keys. They can never no. find their glasses. No. They never know where their phone is. They never know where anything is. I have such rigid habits. That, but that's um, possibly been learned, hasn't it, Adrian? You oh, know, you're, you're like, it's you know, a survival technique. I think yeah. it's from being dyslexic, to tell you the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because visually, um, whilst I've got really high visual skills, I can find it really hard to find the thing in front of me. And that could just right. be being a male. Right. Um, and I would always ask first. I'd always say to somebody, before I even have a decent look, if it's not right there, then I go, hey, you haven't happened to see this, have you? You wouldn't have happened to see this. Right. And, and the people around me are like, it's right there, don't be so lazy, or get right. off your ass and look. They can't um, see it. You can't see it. Yeah, often you can't. I don't know. It's like having blind spots. Um, look, I, I, you know, having said that, and this is why I do love the human behavioural analytics, in that so much of us and understanding ourselves is all about identity. And for you, you're harnessing strengths and strengthening weaknesses without realizing that's what you're doing. You right. you are high energy. You know you've high energy. Yeah, that's but also, if I don't get it sorted, 
I'm strengthening that. I need to function. I need, you, like you get, just for those of you who don't know, Adrian booked this podcast for 6 a.m. in the morning when I'm still yawning and stretching and thinking, how do you do a podcast at that time in the morning? My vocal cords haven't even warmed up yet. So you have to live a highly organised day despite the fact that you're a lifestyle temperament. You could yes. lose things 10 times a day, but your yep. brain has trained you to go, okay, a lot of energy, got to get a lot done, you know. Yes. I've yeah, well, yeah. What, uh, the goal setter in me goes, yeah. how do I get this through? How do yeah. I get this so, done? So you've, you're, you've automatically put order into your life yeah. by going, right, if I don't do the rigid habits, I'm not going to get the joy of being the lifestyle goal setter That's and high, high achiever, right? So you've mm. automatically trained yourself to accommodate or harness some of those weaknesses. So when you look at an environment, say for me, um, what are the things that you would go, okay, you know, what, what, what would be some of the maybe two key things that would make the difference for me if you were designing for me? Oh, if I, look, I, I think you'd need stimulation. Like I'm, I'm looking at the pictures behind you at the moment. You've got architectural drawings. Are these yours? Yeah, they're mine. Right. So I think, and I'm going to be really cruel in saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm an, I'm an, um, an influencer, which is yep. one, my, my, my fundamental DNA behaviour. I think you'd also be an influencer. I am. You need yep. to know that the stuff you're designing is good because we like to get our little ego stroke. But, uh, hey, you're doing yep. an awesome job, you know. And yep. you know what? If people are saying, well done, that is awesome, yep. you're going to produce 10 times greater uh, the next time around. So you need to be surrounded by things that make you feel like you're achieving, that yes. you're doing a great job, that you're valued, that you're appreciated, that you're on the cutting edge. So your own work is going to give that to you. Somebody else might prefer like Frank Lloyd Wright surrounding them or, um, you know, I think of a specifically a lifestyle oh. temple like Jackie Fink, right? She's a, she does jumbo knitting. Now yes. she works, she works with fabulous big thread and, and, and she'd need, some people need that texture around them and that movement. But I think for you, that is going to be too messy because you need some order to, because there's so much going on inside this, oh, yeah. this space. The scrambled egg. A yeah. scrambled egg, right? <laughs> you need some order around you. Otherwise, everything, there's just so much going yeah. on here. You need order around you, but you also need some pieces that are going to make you go, Adrian, you're doing awesome. You're doing a great yeah. job. You're good at what you do. And to keep that creativity and that stimulation going. So then you start seeding that into the environment. Absolutely. Mm. And, and mm. you know, I mean, I look at, look, Kelly. Kelly is brilliant at putting together um, restaurants and things where there is a lot of movement. But if you created a lot of movement around Kelly, he wouldn't be able to work. And look, home and living environment is slightly different than working environment. Oh, sure. Yeah, big transitions. You, you know, yeah. like st so a stability temperament yeah. needs a lot of greens and um, passivity, biophilia, biomimicry. They need a lot of, um, you know, energy that is drawn from very nurturing environments. Whereas a goal setter, you know, forget that. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm the one that's in control here, and I need to. There's so much I need to take control of the situation or, or put order into a space. Yeah. Um, I need to dominate a space, and there's enough going on for me to, you know, to take control of a space. If we put a lot of plants in a goal setter's space, they're going to say too much movement, too organic. Don't like the way it looks. It doesn't make me feel comfortable because I'm not in control of that plant. It's going to grow little yeah, arms right. and shoots and roots that I don't have control over. Isn't Whereas, it interesting, hey? Because because I see my 
my own self in that part with my goal setting part of my personality. Right. I can go, oh, bloody hell, I've got to look after another thing and I don't have time for that. I'm trying to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas a stability, you know what? The roots and plants can grow arms and legs and drag them by the foot and off club them and drag them off into the park. Yeah. They're just, you know, there's always tomorrow is manana, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lay yeah. back and a relax. Some people can come in at the end of a day's work and just flop on the lounge with a magazine um, and watch TV and there'd be a little bit of a chaos going around there or there's still breakfast dishes there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas an information or lifestyle goal said, I actually need my space clean before I can rest. So it's, it's understanding who you are and a lot, a lot of it comes down to identity. If you know who you are, you know what you like to be surrounded by. Oh, look, I think this is the, the most brilliant part of any um, psychometric style of testing or discovery is, you know, when you know who you are, you can play to your strengths mm. and recognising that just because, you know, you and I might be the same when it comes to the psychometric test, it doesn't mean we're the same, that we that we manifest it in the same way. But the same drivers will feed us. The same okay. things will nurture us. And so that's where the value of being able to be test, test yourself and also test, you know, um, other people. So would you generally test all your clients? Look, I, I tell you what I love to do. Um, you, you know what it's like? I mean, you work with Alan Pease, right? Yeah, so you sure. Do, you've done some stuff with Alan, and um, I always laugh at how people with body language awareness can, in a snapshot, read where you're going, what you're thinking, you know, where your thought processes are. And it's a little, when you do analyse people, it's like getting their thoughts on a page. You just... In an instant, you can know who they are, what they want, where they're going, how to speak to them, yes. how, to, how to modify your own behaviour. Because right. as, a, as an outgoing person in a room for you, the life of the party and the buoyancy is fabulous. But if I speak to somebody who, you know, there's people that don't like us, Adrian, oh, I hate to tell you. I know that, yeah. And, I, and you I, have I've to. I've them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Not for to, long. Not for long. <laughs> have to modify your your behavior based on what is going to make them feel comfortable by just taking yes. your voice down a few times yeah. Yeah. not being quite so fast in your speed and structure yeah you know, and just it's about making people feel good about themselves do you know one of the things i love about doing the podcast is is there's some people that um just flow freely yeah and then there's some people that um you have to slow your temperament down and slow your breathing, everything down to the speed they're at. Yep. And then once you get down to that connection point of the speed they're at, then you get to be able to pull them oh. up a little bit. Yeah. But not a lot. You don't want them out of their comfort zone. You just want yep. to lift them up that little bit, but so that they, it, it it's the empathy of finding where they're at rather than just barreling on at where you're at. Absolutely. And we do that. You, oh, know, well, you and I can do that really yeah. easily. We can just yeah. keep going because we've both got yeah. the same energy temperament. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're doing it with a client, often, as you say, clients will often be couples. And whether that's, you know, male, male, female, female, male, female, doesn't really make any difference. There is a difference in temperament shift. Absolutely. And then there's also, if there's children, there's the, depending on their um, age, 
there's a, a level of how they influence that as well. And so being able to read all those pieces with, say, a psychometric test, as opposed to just trying to guess it along the way, uh, it can take a long time to understand a person, oh, yeah. right? You know, and, and and so what what I love to do is when architects or designers have a client that they want to understand, enabling them the ability to do that so that they can say and because with with DNA behaviour there is there's um, cDNA which is communication DNA how to talk to someone there is um, DNA behavior which is understanding their temper but there's also financial DNA so that right. uh, that, that allows you to see how they're going to spend or save do they want to create a great home based on their financial status do they want to save do they want to spend you know it's all of that from a an architect and designer's perspective that you need to know if you've got one for, that spends for architects and one that saves, and absolutely for architects and designers yep. this is a key point because yep. you know often they come under or they feel they're under fee pressure um, and often they're in a space where people i would say not often i'd say always they're in a space where people um, want a lot more than their budget's going to allow. Absolutely. Um, Often the case. Yeah, I'd say always the case. But, yeah, <laughs> over over 20 years of this, I'd say, yeah, I haven't met that client yet. And, you know, we talk about budget there. Budget is what somebody sees the value in getting the in spending. Yeah. Um, I've got clients who have got, you know, serious amounts of money. As, as my friend Jeffrey Dungan, who I interviewed, says, they have the right amount of change. <laughs> He's from the South in America. Um, <laughs> the right amount of change means that they can choose whatever it is that they want and when they yeah. want it and how they want it. Financially, yep. it's never going to stop them. No. However, they Maybe have the have right amount of change because they have a budget yeah. and because they assess value. In return on on what they either buy, even in the people. So for a lot of architects and designers, they are very um, unaware of how important this is to people. And then also, what are the drivers that will get them to see the value in something? Absolutely. That is so important from the side of the architect, or so important Absolutely. from the side of the designer. Oh, look! I mean, it's it's really lovely when you get a long leash and a big budget. Yeah. You know, you. I mean, the, the challenge with you and I is that you see it long before it's in reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you see it and want to get the thing and, and you've got this vision, I mean, I laugh at some of the images that are out there where it's like expectation <coughs> versus reality um, and, and you give it a Google and there's, you know, this incredible multi-million dollar theme of a, a boat and somebody with a you know a lion on the front of the boat and then there's the reality is a cat on on a uh, you know a bit of a <laughs> on a tinny on a tinny right? or, a, or a plastic bucket yeah yeah so it's like you know reality and expectation are totally different when it comes to assessing budget and look you can create great spaces on a budget there's no doubt about that yeah but it's nice to understand where your client is at, if they're going to be reined in and or if you can, you know, have a little bit more liberty to I, to I also ask, I ask clients to, with their wish list, um, I ask them to weight the value, not the, the dollar value. I do that with them. But I ask them to weight the rooms as in I won't live without this. Um, yeah, things good. that they won't live without. And, you know, I have a little process for that where I say, okay, so... 
let's just go husband and wife. Um, husband and wife. Okay, I want you to both write your list. I'm sure you would love to sit down and do it together because you both know each other so well, but I don't want you to do that. I want you to go away and write your own selfish list. Yeah. And I want you to right. rank it one to three. One is I won't live without it. Number two is is that um, we really want this. And number three is if you could get this in our house, you'd be the genius and we'd be the happiest people ever. Oh, awesome. Um, and then from that, one of the interesting points is I say, then you can sit and combine, but you're going to show me all three lists. Yeah, fantastic. Then I go through and I go, okay, what got thrown out is the first question. Right. So I want to see what didn't make it because that's where they compromised with each other. Right. And then from that I go, okay, great. So this is our list because what's in the compromise list is more powerful than what's in the um in the, in the wish list. list. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when I'm going to look like a genius if I can get them. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and as a lifestyle person, you love looking like a genius. That's it. Right? That's it. So yeah, absolutely. That's one that feeds me, <laughs> um, but getting them what they need and then waiting dollar values of budget against rooms, you know, yeah. I often have people who say, you know, not always women, but often women, um, I need, this really I need a decent sized laundry I need to have this 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 they want it in order yeah they don't want it just to be a, a utility room on the side they want it to be a room with its own value and then they'll say the same for the pantry and the kitchen and you know every space because that's who they are and one of the things that you do is as you're going through a house you go okay well you know let's say we've got a million dollars but we're gonna you know a hundred grand or more of that more than that actually is going to be in the kitchen because we're yeah. talking about the structure of the whole house. Course, we're talking about yeah. building the house the as well room. as outfitting it. Yeah. Yep. And so as you go down that hierarchy of needs as to which room has the most floor space, which rooms have whatever it is, get squeezed into some sort of shape. But it's a journey that you take with them. Absolutely. And, and, and throwing bait in the water, I say to them, I'm, I'm throwing out lines here and I'm, list, I'm seeing which one you raise your eyes, eyebrows to or the one that makes your eyes sparkle. You'll go, I'll, I'll just stop. I'll go, hold on, hold on, go back to that. What was that? What was that? Ah, okay, so where'd that come from? And then I want to know the story behind why that was so, why that made your eyes sparkle. Oh, lovely. Because when I get to that, I get a story and then I can start to infuse the story. And when, when you, you can get infuse that, the they, story. Yeah, they, and, then, and then they might adjust the budget accordingly. Uh, absolutely. You know, like, because yeah. you'll find money for something that makes your soul sing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll maybe go, well, the if, if I can have that, then I don't need the bigger laundry so I can steal the budget from one place to Compromise. the other. Compromise, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating – well, it's interesting to hear that you do that. You obviously don't realise that you're, um, you're assessing your clients. You're not yeah. just designing, you're assessing. No, no, not at all, yeah. The, the whole thing is, as I say to them often, a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to have nothing to do with your house. <laughs> They're like, really? I go, yeah, because yeah, I need to know you as a person. So when, when you go as a, um, when you do the testing, if you can say to, so you can look at a couple, say, and if both of them are tested, you could be looking and going, so this one here's values are, are this, so this is where they would be more likely to spend money, and this one over here's values are this. So the first thing we want to do, I imagine, is meet their values, Absolutely. meet that value chain. And then meet them commonly. 
so that we've got them individually and then meet them commonly. When we meet them commonly, then we can go, um, this is where they're going to spend their money because the most value sits in this area. Absolutely. And we've approached them the right way to make sure that that's going to, not, we're not trying to spend everybody's every cent. What we're trying to do is, is get them Create the great best spaces. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And look, at the, the other thing that we do do or I do is cross profile. So, you know, I can, I can compare you to, if I, I mean, if I compared you to Kelly, on example here, mm -hmm. if I cross profile the two of you, I would see, I would see that you're the high risk taker yeah. uh, as, as a temperament where Kelly is very calculated. And that's yes. not a bad thing. But if I were designing oh. a space for both of you, because you're both obviously great designers, uh, I'd have to bear that in mind, that you are, you're willing to take a punt on a space that somebody else wouldn't potentially build and Callie would need all of the, the details in order to make that decision. <laughs> and, and so, but it's also selling too, Adrian. So if I'm selling to a temperament, I've got to give Callie all the details of that space. Yeah, this exactly. is what it looks like. And for you, I need to sell you the sizzle. You know, I'd, I'd buy it on the field. Yeah, it's the sizzle. It's like, you know, it's going to be a great space to entertain in or it's going to be a great yeah. space, you know, to could work. It could be to even relax in. It could just, it's going to be a space, in. yeah, like. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm, and, and I can see you pictured here because of X, Y, Z, whereas an information temperament, I've got to give you, you know, the timber is made of this quality yes. and, the, and the, the millimetres on this end or the hinges are X and that's what sells them because it's all about the detail. I love working in, across that sphere, like especially with clients where you end up where you've got somebody who's particularly detailed like that. And I have in my company somebody who's particularly detailed like that as well. And being able to ascertain from that client what, what creates the feeling that's right with that detail. Mm. So I've got a client and he loves asymmetric and quite sharp, uh, when I say sharp, not not like sharp like a razor blade, but very simple, sharp, clean lines. Yeah. That's, that's his gig. That's what he, that's when he feels at his best. And he's Wonderful. very aware of it. Yeah, yeah, very aware of it. He's very self-aware as a human being. We love that. Uh, yep, absolutely. And when I first was doing some stuff for them, I, I said, to, I gave him some pictures and um, he went, yeah. I'm not so sure about any of that. And I went, wow. oh, cool, let's go. Talk, talk to me. And um, because up until then, he hadn't really participated heavily. And I said, talk to me about that. And then um, he did. And, and he said, look, yeah, and I worked out that when, when a, a surface has a sheen on it, as opposed to being matte, it feels better for him right amazing and he feels more successful amazing. when it's like that this client i've now worked for with over five years amazing. um and we continually do projects together and i know his aesthetic and i know his wife's aesthetic and i know how to mix the two yeah beautiful so it's a really it was a, a good learning one for me because i'd never had someone who i delved so deep um into what the tiniest details would be. Yeah, you know? and, and, you know, but we also have a memory, you know. Um, 
I mean, I look at colour psychology. If, you, if we surround ourselves with red, it will make us hungry, angry, irritable, attract flies and want sex, right? Uh, so it changes our hypothalamus. Attract flies and sex yeah, in the yeah, same yeah, sentence. Yeah, I don't not, think that's it's not, good. It's not good. So it's not <laughs> that's a in the outback colour. of Australia. That's exactly. Let's not go there. So, you know, so, so that's what it, it will make us feel because design is emotional. That yep. somebody might have an aversion to red because of a childhood memory. Oh yes. So they may they may have been dropped off at school in dad's red car and humiliated for life. So red is yep. a memory that equates to them to a very embarrassing situation. So it's 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 pulling all of that and extrapolating all that data and history and memory and human behavior <laughs> analytics from a person in order to create create a great space. And so it's you know when people say. You're not in the. You're in the design game. No, we're actually in the people game. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. you you need to understand. You need to. You're not. You haven't got a. But people often say, you know, oh, you you play with coloured pencils. You know, you're in the coloured pencils game. If I can, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's so much more than that. It's it's understanding psyche. It's understanding history. It's understanding temperament. It's looking at future. It's looking at design. It's looking at you know post pandemic design. There's just so many elements that comes to creating great space. It's always moving too because people, ever moving. Yeah, people are gaining um, more life as they go, and with that, more experiences. And the job of a designer is to have the empathy of what they know and then also the um, future vision of what they will face and where yeah, they can go with it. You don't want to give them something. I always laugh about this because I was a clothes designer for years. You know, people get to a certain age in life and they start to dress only in one mode. And yeah. it doesn't matter what it is, they will always dress in one kind of mode because at some point it's anchored to when they felt the most comfortable and they might get 15 years beyond that. <laughs> and I think hopefully it, was... it wasn't in the 70s, right? <laughs> <laughs> or if it was, at least they were really cool in the 70s. <laughs> I laugh at my dad, you know, it's, it's somewhere in his life, he, he's 92 now. Yeah. I shouldn't say I laugh at him, I do laugh about <laughs> it though. Um <laughs> And if he can have shoes that have got Velcro on them, damn, he's wearing oh, them. Oh, <laughs> that's hysterical. And he I would just... still send you out to buy a pair of hush puppies. You know? Oh, bless. And are, are you ever going to wear hush puppies? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I think I ought, you know, I think I've already hit that. I wear sneakers. <laughs> just... I call them sneakers, but you know, Nikes, New Balance. Um, yeah, Asics, but you've got your. Like I don't know anyone who's got a pair of beads on it at your time in the morning. Like this is early. <laughs> oh, my folks. wife gave me these. My wife gave me this as our first year anniversary oh, when we got married. Oh, and so I wear. I put it on every day, and actually, it's a really interesting little thing with that because this is me forming habits. Mm. Um, I put it. I put it in the same place, one of two places, every night. And every day I actually put it on, I it's like as if I was putting my wedding ring on every day. Nice. I thank her for Ritual. it. Yeah. In my mind, I thank her for it. How lovely. And I look at all the pieces on it because it's a really interesting necklace. Um, I look at all the pieces on it and each piece I go as part of our journey or as part, not I don't have them yeah. labelled or anything, no, but no, each, no. each piece of them, and they're all cut if you look at it, they're all cut on slightly different angles. Nice. So you get so to play got, play with that. You get to fiddle with yeah. that. And makes and you feel was, a certain way. Absolutely. And it's just, it's a reminder of the fact that 
nothing ever fits together perfectly. Oh, I love that. There's always got to be the space that you've got to work with. Oh, I love and that. And so that, not that that was how it was designed, that's the story I created. Oh, that's lovely. So, yeah, interesting how you play these games out. Oh, I play these games out in my head, but I make it into a ritual. Yeah. So make it into a ritual because it's habitual and it's um it reminds me to do to be grateful to be grateful always um, you know for her to be married for our always. kids for our life together um mm. so yeah i have those little things even if she's driving me nuts um you know what every day there's that anchor that goes back and it says go to the positive of it always yeah always yeah. Um, Sometimes I'm not so good at that. Oh, well, that's, that, that's all of us. We all have good days and bad days. But yeah, think, exactly. You know, where, where I, from your logic, I'm hearing a lot of evolved thinking and I think that's, um, it's a beautiful thing to be ever-present and aware but also evolved in your thinking because life is never the same. Life is always changing as are people and it's a matter of moving with that movement. Yeah, like your friend who got the new heart, Um that was that that whether it was the new heart or whether it was just the mindset um that was a fresh start it allowed Absolutely. him to be a, the, another version of himself mm. and you go wow how cool is that um and yes it was probably life-changing to get a new heart but it allowed him to be that other person that maybe he never felt he had the permission for before or well, never yeah. That's wonderful. Never got in touch with that empathy, empathetic side. And I think it's important to give yourself permission. Oh, yes. You definitely. know, and I mean, the life, I, mean, I think probably with this pandemic too, Adrian, it's given people, I think, think to some degree, people have had to go to the naughty corner and think about who they really are again, <laughs> you know. and it's Certainly given those of them who have been in quarantine in a hotel on their own for yeah. two weeks. Yeah, and you it's like, okay, what's important? Where are my values? What do I really want? Who can I be post-pandemic? Am I can I be a different version of myself? Was I on a treadmill? Yeah, I think that's I sound, so true. How do I surround myself with my tribe? You know, and, yep. and and speaking of which, let's just go there really quickly. I met you in Noosa where at the time I felt that I was from Sydney, that it was very vanilla. And yes. and I, w I wasn't meeting anyone that I thought, wow, you know. Um, similar people and I met yourself and I, I phoned a mate who of mine is a professor of psychology and he said how was your day and I said I've just met one of my tribe and it was the most lovely experience to be in a vanilla space and meeting someone Neapolitan um, <laughs> you know, so this, these are the people we attract right your vibe attracts yes. your tribe yeah I think that's so true as well and like I remember meeting you and it was um, you know Lorna who put us together mm. and I'm like who is this person? Who is this person? And then within like minutes, we were kicking ourselves laughing and just like sharing yeah, stories. Just, yeah. yeah, sharing stories. And also um, the underlying value, value state that we have. Both of us have a, a strong underlying value state. Absolutely. That, that matches. And that's Absolutely. when it's, yeah. Oh, well, lovers, lovers of people, lovers of design, you know, lovers yep. of life. And and, you know, and just um, just the human, yeah, just the values beyond that, like um, of, of caring for people and how we see people and how we see our part of being able to help people, I suppose, as well. Very, very similar, which yeah. I enjoy. You know, you're a networker of people, I'm a networker of people. Just those kind of things. It's like, how do we support 
each other and other people. That's part of the game. I think, I think you, um, you know, my conviction is that people come into your life for a season, a reason, or yeah. a lifetime. And and I always meet people and think, why are you in my life? You know, yep. who, who can I connect you with? What What is I your know. story <laughs> in my journey? How can yep. I, you know, make your life a better place because you've come across my path? And I, I think if we all thought like that, life would be a very different journey. I think it's a very valuable outlook, like hugely valuable outlook. I couldn't agree more. It's um, If you can look what you can do for others before you look for what you can do for yourself, mm. you're going to create a better world around you. Absolutely. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. So tell me with the, with the testing, how does, well, we'll post all your socials and stuff and, and your contact info, but how do people um, learn a bit more about it where, what would they do to do that? And do you do it for other people? Do you set it up for, um, you know, say there's an architect or a designer somewhere and, you know, outside of Australia and England or whatever, would you do it and, and decode it for them? How does yeah, work? yeah. Look, it's 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 a matter of just sending them a link and, and that link is completed by the individual and or the individual's client and um, a profile is sent back so they can either read it themselves or if they're struggling to understand that person, I can certainly unpack it for them. But, I, you know, it's it's um, they can reach reach me on my socials or, you know, deborah at deborahdeyong.com.au. Yeah, um, yeah lo love to be of assistance. It's it's something I take great pleasure in doing because you're really, as I said earlier, you're you're reading someone on a page, and you know that you, you're not second guessing. Yes. Um, well, I think for their own self awareness is the first point. Yeah. Because then you know, you know, what is it with dogs that meet in the park and they're both the same breed and they both start wagging their they see each other. Yeah. You know, like they actually see each other. Yeah. Um, when they're the same breed and the same, you know, that they there is a whole different energy from a dog meeting a dog that it isn't the same breed as. I used yeah. to own an Airedale Terrier, and right. one of the things that fascinated me was they're not a very common dog. Whenever that Airedale would see another Airedale, it would be so excited, it would shudder. It would shudder. It would just you know, shake with excitement wow. because it was another Airedale. Now, other dogs might get it excited, but not at that level. Amazing. And, you know, if you know who you are, you can better serve people with their needs because of your own self-awareness. Well, you can find your tribe as well, and that, yeah, that kind of helps, you know. I mean, yeah. you don't know why you're attracted to certain temperaments, but you meet people and you go, ah. Oh, they just marrow to my bones. And then you meet others and you think you are sucking the marrow from my bones. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so and, true. And so it's interesting to understand. In understanding yourself, you understand other people. And, of course, um, yeah, you can design and create great spaces for, for those you understand better. I love it. I love it. Deb, that has been awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure. We'll see you back down in Sydney, and we've got some. We've got some masterclasses yeah. coming up with us, also. Uh, yeah, somewhere around June, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. The detail to... person hasn't told yeah, me yet. No, no, no. We need to get Mr. Kelly Vandermeer on board to get the detail down. But we're looking forward to having you back in the Corona yeah. Temple as well, and doing some teaching. It's all about. Um, information and knowledge and power, but also motivation, accreditation and stimulation. So yeah, looking forward to getting you back down and empowering other people. I'm so looking forward to hanging out again as well. Yeah, really, absolutely. Really back to Archie Rose. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> it will go a bit earlier. 
<laughs> no, I think we were there. I was. We were the last ones to be kicked out. So last ones to leave. That's because we you were debriefing. Our... You were debriefing That's after it. the gig. So yeah, yeah that was. was it. Good, I'm sure it was. It was a, <laughs> With a little run. bit of good oil to get us. It there. was. It was. It was lovely. Deb, thanks so much. Go and have a wonderful day. What are we? Nearly, nearly eight o'clock. So we're going well. Yep. Knock them <laughs> dead. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you so much, Deb. Pleasure. We'll post all your socials, all the contact details. Pleasure. Talk soon. Talk soon. Cheers, hon. Bye. Bye. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? and see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it, because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.